Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week, I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the third season of my podcast, I dive deep into cognitive distortions, also known as negative thought patterns. Our cognitive distortions have a significant impact on our mental health. We have the ability to rewire our brains by getting to the root cause of these negative thinking habits and instead build patterns of thinking that create joy. Each episode will have two parts, one where I break down the distortion and the other where I give you an exercise to help you overcome. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Dear Dr. Ariana, I feel like I am in a rut. Ever since I was in elementary school, I've struggled with labeling myself as average. One of my school friends at the time told me that I would never be in the top of our class for grades. And I guess ever since then, the label has followed me around. I find myself settling at work, in friendships, and especially in relationships because I equate my life to average so it stops me from striving for more. I'm not sure what I should do at this point. I'm in a position now where I want to break out, start a new career, but it feels like a life that an average person doesn't have. I need your help to shake the average and start living a life that is excellent. Human brains are finely tuned decision-making machines designed to make quick judgments in a variety of really confusing events. Think of how much information your brain processes every single day. All the sights, sounds, smells, all bombarding your senses, all while processing your own body and movements and thoughts and decisions in reaction to all the things going on in your environment. Your brain is making thousands of snap decisions and judgments every second based on information it has filtered from the environment around you. In fact, the brain executes over 100 billion actions per second. I don't even know how that's possible. And its main goal is to keep you safe, to keep you alive and thriving in every situation you find yourself in. Its goal is to do what's best for you. So in an instant, it has to decipher things like, how far away is that car coming towards me in the distance? Is this food okay for me to eat? Is that form in the shadows a garbage can or a man with a gun? Is this round red thing a cherry or a marble? Essentially, mental shortcuts and snap decisions and judgments allow us to operate effectively in a very chaotic and often overwhelming world. We also use these mental shortcuts on people. We use shortcuts to make quick decisions about who's safe, who's trustworthy, who's talented, who do I want to associate with, who do I want in my group. We also do this to figure out who we don't trust, who will make our lives more difficult, who we do not want to associate with. One way that our brain does this is labeling. Labeling is a cognitive distortion where we generalize by taking one characteristic or isolated behavior of someone and apply it to the whole person. Because she's often late to work, she's irresponsible. Because he was curt, he's a jerk. Because I failed the test, I'm a failure. 
When we're engaged in labeling, we usually describe things with language that's highly colored and emotionally loaded. We don't usually say, he is moderately unpleasant. We say, he's an a-hole. One of my amazing patients who came to see me for depression used to have a real problem with labeling. Every time he would do something he was frustrated with, like he was late to session, or he forgot about a work meeting, or canceled plans with friends because he wasn't feeling well, he would berate himself through labeling. Ugh, I'm such an idiot that I was late. I can't believe I'm so stupid that I forgot about that appointment. I canceled plans again because I'm such a loser. Sound familiar? A research study at Duke took brain scans while groups of students were primed to make decisions based on snap judgments. The brain scans showed that the participants' brains were in a state of mental disengagement or a resting state while they made choices consistent with labeling. But when they made choices that overcame labeling, their brain activity was in working mode, meaning that when they resisted the cognitive shortcut that wanted to label, their brains had to put in more effort. This suggests that laziness, in other words, habits of thinking, like these cognitive distortions, is at the root of this cognitive bias. But remember, your brain isn't being lazy just for the sake of it. It's doing what it's designed to do, which is namely conserve as much energy as it can while making the fastest and best decisions it can with the information available to it. We are much more likely to engage in labeling when we have mental health issues going on, like anxiety or depression, because our brain is already depleted of energy. People with anxiety expend a lot of mental energy engaging in things like obsessions and overthinking and worrying and catastrophizing. And an actual symptom of depression is lack of energy and mental slowness. It means that your brain doesn't have much energy left to make the effort to not engage in easy thought pathways, pathways of least resistance like labeling. You might also be more likely to engage in labeling if you had a parent or a caregiver who did this a lot. You might have been told that you were stupid whenever you made a mistake or you did badly on a test or that you were difficult or dramatic when expressing your opinions or your emotions or that your parent's boss was a jerk or your uncle was lazy. This also applies if you had parents or caregivers that were into appearances or accomplishments and they would judge others based on that. If repeated enough, this cognitive distortion will become a thought habit and it's where your brain will automatically go as it looks for a path of least resistance when engaging with somebody in your orbit. Do you feel like your thoughts are often spiraling and hard to control? Is it hard to stop thinking negatively about your life? I get it. And I've helped many people like you recognize and overcome negative thought patterns, which allowed them to thrive. To help you in this process, I've developed a program called Power Thoughts. This program helps you understand how thoughts physically change your brain and then equips you with the tools to rewire your thinking. To find out more, click the link in my podcast description. So why is this cognitive distortion unhelpful and sometimes even dangerous? Because labeling 
conveys something absolute with little hope of change, which fuels and maintains pretty negative emotions. If you fail a test and come to the conclusion that you're a failure, it will likely trigger feelings of sadness and despair and hopelessness. If instead you recognize that you merely failed a test, it would probably result in disappointment, sure, but it sucks, but you can handle it. If you believe the label identifying as a failure, you won't know what to do to solve the problem. Failing a test means that next time you probably need to study more. Problem solved. But being a failure, what do you do to solve that? You can't. Labeling distracts you from what's actually important. Instead of identifying the mistake so that you can learn from it and grow, you're using your emotional energy to ruminate on what a failure you are or how bad you are. Humans are not objects that can be captured in a word. If you use terms to describe yourself or others like loser or idiot or jerk, these terms may be convincing your brain that you and others are incapable of change. Every time you or someone does something that supports that label, your brain interprets it as proof that the label is true. And all of us display some idiotic and jerk-like behavior sometimes because we're human. Because the person who spoke to us curtly may not be a jerk, but instead they could have been stressed and in a hurry. They may actually be a very kind and generous person, but they speak directly and to the point. Making one broad assumption about someone based on one or two isolated data points is almost always inaccurate. Labeling also causes problems in relationships. If you label your partner as heartless because they seem to not listen to you when you talk about your day, it can feel miserable. You are married to a heartless person. But if you consider the behavior as the problem rather than the person, it becomes easier to discuss with them and potentially solve. Like, it may be that they need some time to unwind at the end of the day, or they have difficulty concentrating in general. Essentially, labels help us feel safe while dividing us. They help us feel in control and like we understand when it's actually just our brains being lazy. And listen, labeling is very common these days. Just look at our political climate and the names and labels that are flying across the aisle. The world is more labeled and divided than ever. I see it almost every day in my practice, how amazing, intelligent, and loving people are being labeled and labeling and vilifying others who believe differently because they fall under a label. Liberal, conservative, anti-vaxxer, fascist. I'm sure many of you have experienced or been a victim of our labeling problem and seen firsthand how it ends friendships and separates loved ones and families because they've come to define the whole person based on a political view. It's worth pointing out that this has been a political division strategy in the past. Hitler used this type of labeling in Nazi Germany. He reduced Jewish people to less than human by calling them rats, and he identified Aryan people as superior. That fact alone should be motivation for us to work on our labeling problem. The good news is 
that as we work on dismantling the labels that we assign, we retrain our brain to see more expansively of ourselves and of other people. We are so beautifully nuanced and complex. Would you think of yourself as an eater just because you eat? Or a breather just because you breathe? It's an error of thinking that can cause a lot of pain because when you label yourself, 99% of the time you're doing so out of a sense of your own inadequacies. There is actually no such thing as a loser or a jerk. These are behaviors, not complete and total aspects of who someone is. I've definitely behaved in ways that I'm not proud of and I've made plenty of mistakes. I hope you wouldn't tell me I'm a jerk or a loser as a result. And the key is to practice cognitive flexibility when we notice that we're engaging in a lot of labeling. Labeling reduces us to a word and imprisons us there. The key is pulling back and connecting to our nuance, complexity, and shades of gray. Now that might sound like a tall order, so it's important to start small. As we practice just busting out of our labels a little bit, we will be able to engage with a more expansive way of seeing ourselves and others. Next time you find yourself labeling yourself or someone else, I want you to switch your attention to some of the different behaviors that you're seeing. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. I had a patient who used to label herself a terrible mom because she would sometimes lose it and yell at her kids. She'd feel pretty awful about it and beat herself up with this kind of cognitive distortion of labeling a lot. I asked her if she sometimes did positive things for her kids and treated them well, which she acknowledged that she did. So we did this exercise together. I had her write down behaviors that constituted a bad mom that she thought she engaged in. Like, okay, sometimes she would yell at her kids. She was impatient with them when they whined. Sometimes she was distracted by her phone instead of being fully present. Then I had her write down behaviors that she would identify as behaviors performed by a good mom. She cooked all their meals. She drove them to school and after school activities. She helped them with their homework. She would take them to fun places on the weekend and play with them. And there were a lot of great things on this list. Through this, my patient was able to see that she was a good mom when she was doing all these good things for her kids and that it was possible that she was a good mom and sometimes a quote unquote bad mom all at the same time. Being able to see behaviors allowed us to channel her self-labeling inertia and instead come up with an action plan for when she felt really frustrated with her kids. Remember, there's no such thing as a good or bad person. These are behaviors, not complete and total aspects of who someone is. We're a whole bunch of good and not so good things all at the same time. But when you label yourself in a global way because of some screw up, it hurts and distracts you from focusing on the specific error that you made. Labeling has a large impact on your self-worth and how you see the world. Focusing on the specific behavior allows you to learn from it and grow. It also keeps us connected to the people around us by allowing us to take a step back, 
give grace, and see others as a whole and beautiful person. We're now going to transition to a quick meditation exercise based on what we've been talking about in this episode. So I want you to find a place where you won't be disturbed for the next few minutes and where you can be comfortable in privacy and in relative silence. Find a comfortable and easy position, either sitting with your hands on your lap or even lying down. I want you to start by taking a deep inhale through your nose and out through your mouth. Close your eyes. Let's start by just focusing on our breath. In through your nose and out through your mouth. Another big inhale and a big exhale. Notice the cold air flowing through your nose and then the warmer air flowing out through your mouth. Big inhale and exhale. I want you to stay here in this place of easy breathing. Feel the weight of your body against the surface that it's touching. Just focus on your breath. Kierkegaard said, when you label me, you deny me. Because every time we label someone, including ourselves, we deny their wealth and their complexity. I want you to bring to mind someone who you've recently labeled. It could be a coworker, a family member, a loved one, it might even be someone you don't know, a politician or someone you saw on the news. You might have labeled them as unreliable or stupid or emotional, incapable, even evil. See the situation in your mind's eye that caused you to label them. Now, I want you to practice seeing them in another context. Picture them as a parent who loves their kids. Maybe as a child themselves who is loved by their mother or their father, their spouse. 
Might there have been a situation where they were kind or talented or admirable? Who is someone in their life that loves them, thinks highly of them, or maybe knew them in high school? saw them cry. Now, I want you to bring to mind a time or a situation when you labeled yourself. You could have labeled yourself as bad or incompetent or awkward, unworthy, unlovable, a mess. I want you to picture yourself as you are today in that situation, watching yourself. I want your today self to go over to your past self, put an arm around your shoulder and smile. I want you to practice having compassion on yourself in that moment. What would you tell yourself if you were your own best friend? I want you to remind yourself of all the amazing aspects of who you are. What are some ways that you've behaved differently than this label that you gave yourself. What are some things that you're proud that you've done and accomplished? Is there someone in your life who disagrees with your label? I want you to picture them and what they would say to you in this moment. Allow those words, those actions to sink in. Maybe hold just one in mind. but I want you to create space to connect with the complexity of all of who you are. Now, bring yourself back to your breath. Deep inhale in and 
again in through your nose and out through your mouth. Inhale and exhale. Bring your awareness to your surroundings, to the sounds in the room. Maybe wiggle your toes, your fingers, and open your eyes. I hope this meditation was helpful to you. And the good news is that you can come back to it whenever you need. Stay tuned for more in next week's episode.